0: Hey y'all, this is Liam. And it's Jen. And we're so glad you've joined us for an episode of the limited podcast series, Unlimited Time Magic with Jen and Liam.
1: A place where we have honest, raw, unhinged, usually sober conversations about Disney, travel, and just life.
0: Now, I know you're a little spooked, you're a little scared, but don't be afraid to follow us on Instagram at @unlimitedtimemagic. Unlimited Time Magic.
1: And you know what would really help? Go ahead and give us a rating on the Apple Podcast app if you like what you hear. If you don't like it, don't worry, you've got a busy life, no reason to take the time. But if you love it, go ahead and go on there, give us a rating, it helps us a lot.
0: Now sit down, buckle your seat belts, put your arms up and relax. Oh, and y'all, if you've been ever afraid that the magic is like dead inside, remember that the magic's you. Enjoy the episode, y'all. Y'all, we're here. We are a new episode, a new week, and I look like I'm incognito. I look like I'm in a new disclosed location.
1: No, it's like, it's like the Mickey's not so scary Halloween party edition.
0: It is, but we're not talking about spooky spooky. We're talking about our special guest behind her. The, the background, we're talking about animals.
1: Yay,
0: I, y'all this at week's episode I think I think Jen is especially coming off of the last few weeks you've had Jen is animals are so vital and important to not only Disney storytelling but more importantly your well-being and your like human status and if there is any person that I have met in my life it is Jen Dose and <laughs> two or as we will call her lovingly in this epi- episode Jaybo. Me and j met. Do you know how long ago we met, j
2: I am pretty sure you were potentially still in high school. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, we okay. have
0: known each other for eight long years, nine years. And um, we met because my first job, pretty much like my first official job, was working at Starbucks. And boy, does j love a coffee. I she, do. She loves, a, <laughs> she loves a brand. She loves a Starbucks. She loves it all. And we met doing that. And one of the most like compassionate and like real people that like with one question, j can like bring you down to earth and be like, how's your day? And it was like the simple interactions that we've become pals. We became Palos. And little did I know back then that you, j were working at what? Animal Kingdom. Yes. Now, J-Bo, what was what, what was your official job title at Disney's Animal Kingdom TM?
2: I was an animal keeper. And in the normal zoo world, it is basically a zookeeper position. Um, but as you may remember from the um, slogan of Disney's Animal Kingdom many years ago, it was or is not a zoo. So they very much wanted to make sure that people did not think of Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park as a zoo. So mm. they, the cast members that take care of the animals are animal keepers. That is
0: actually <laughs> really interesting. And I never knew that I, a lot of you may know this in the podcast world and through my own personal Instagram, uh, at unlimited time magic that I work at expedition Everest, no animals there. However, <laughs> I learned so much about the specific minute details of Disney's Animal Kingdom and how beautifully themed it was. I want to start this episode in a place, j of where did Disney come into your zeitgeist? Like, Where did it come into your world? Disney in so,
2: general. Yeah, Disney has always been a part of my life from a very, very young age. Um, as a child uh my parents took me and my sister to disney world one time and it was in the early 90s we basically went to magic kingdom for one day and we were there from open to close uh we stayed at caribbean beach resort and i don't remember a whole lot about the trip outside of like seeing characters walking around without you know anybody around them kind of like what you see at disneyland sometimes um, I remember Dumbo being closed down for a period of time because Michael Jackson was there with his kids and they wanted to go on the ride.
0: That is more weird, um, but correct me if I'm <laughs> wrong, but you're, are, you're not from California, but like you were near California, right?
2: Um, no, I actually grew up in the Midwest. I'm from St. Louis. <laughs>
0: well, that's not California <laughs> at all, but did you, <laughs> that's, I know a map and that's nowhere near it. <laughs> but florida you,
1: public schools everyone
0: <laughs> who has two thumbs and has a learning disability this guy but did you grow up going to disneyland
2: no um the first and time you I went to love Disney...
0: disneyland because that's I something do. you and jen have in common jen dose yeah is you love disneyland
2: the first the time free. i went to it's disneyland better. it is better <laughs> the first time i went to disneyland was in 2015 and i just i loved it and so i have been at world for many many years by that point
0: i just Mm -hmm. booked my trip for september again holler um (laughs) but in your childhood like what was the kind of journey for you meeting like disney and also like your love of animals because obviously you weren't like a disney kid you weren't raised going every single year right so like where did the love and comfort of animals come into your life
2: i i I mean, growing up, we had some pets when I was young, um, but after, and they were super old when I was little. So once they were out of the picture, every single year, birthday, Christmas, whatever, I always asked for a kitten every single year. I wanted a kitten so bad. And my mom was always like, no, I've been there. I've done that. I don't want to do pets anymore. So um, me and my sister, every so often, we would find like a baby bird on the ground and we would try to raise it or we'd find baby bunnies and we would try to you know, save them and release them back into the backyard. <laughs> and uh, so after, after high school, I went into um, St. Louis Community College just to take care of general education classes. Good idea. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. And during that time, my mom saw an ad in the paper for the Wildlife Rescue Center, which was about two miles from our house. And they were looking for volunteers. And she was kind of like, hey, you like animals. You need something to do. Why don't you go check this place out and see if you want to volunteer down there? It's like, Yeah, sure, why not? So I did that, started out as a volunteer, January, 2001. And uh, about four months later, they had a big shakeup. Basically the, the place was run with about four paid animal care staff and then a board of directors that would kind of oversee everything and about a hundred volunteers. The four paid staff members, um, basically one lost their job and the other three decided to leave because of that. So they were in kind of desperate straits and me and a couple of other volunteers were asked if we wanted a paid position and basically, you know, working as many hours as we possibly could. So I took that opportunity. I took a year off of college and I worked probably between 60 to 80 hours a week. My parents, even though the rescue center was about two miles away from home, they never saw me. I was there from sunrise to midnight and then do it all over the next day because if oh volunteers God. don't show up, you have, you know, especially in the baby season, we would have over 400 babies that would need to be fed four times a day. And what types you've... of
1: animals did you say, Jen? Like what types of animals were at this facility?
2: It was all native Missouri wildlife. So okay. a lot of rabbits, squirrels, um, raccoons, red foxes, a lot of waterfowl, um, a lot of ducks and geese, occasionally swans. We would get a lot of box turtles. Um Oh, we had a lot of white-tailed deer fawns. those And then were how super okay fun. I realize I'm I'm
1: narrowing in on like the very earliest part of your story and this podcast mm-hmm. can't be 5 hours long. <laughs> but I'm super curious how how did animals was it just from like people calling and saying, you know, there's this deer injured in my backyard, would you come and get
2: it? Was it that sort of thing? Yeah, pretty much. We would okay. get calls or we would have people drop animals off. And okay. um and Dropping then off a swan. They, Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Um, And then they would go through a triage where we would assess the situation, what was going on. And then, and that was pretty much the crazy thing. You know, I was 19 years old and doing basically some veterinary work at that point. And I was just trained by people that had done that before me. And it was a really crazy, incredible time. Um, But after going through the rehab timeframe, then we would release them. And there would be different regulations on to, you know, if we could just release in various areas if they needed to go back within um, kind of the space of where they came from. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was, it was a really hectic time in my life, but um, I wouldn't trade the experience for anything.
1: I can't imagine how fulfilling though, too. I mean, at 19 years old, when usually most of us are struggling with direction and what do I do? And you're like, well, I got to wake up and take care of an injured swan. So bye. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's the, the singular focus of it, right, Jen? Like the, the there's no, there's no confusion. There's right. an injured animal in front of you and you're literally the only one that can do anything about it. And that's, I, that's what I think is so satisfying about caring for animals. It's like this tyranny of the urgent, but in a good way, it's like there right. is no other voice because this is the need and you're the one that's got to take care of it.
0: Right. Right. And I think too, like, I mean, I wasn't, I was, wasn't 19, I was 19 like two days ago. Um, <laughs> and to have that kind of rock and stability to like, can you talk to me a little bit, if you don't mind me prying, but your mental health place of like, I'm 19. I don't know what the frick I'm doing. And this thing is in front of me. Like, was that a blessing? Or were you like, Oh, I gotta work 60 hours. Because I know you as a person. And I remember, (laughs) she'd come in at five, and then she'd come in at like six. And I'd be like, (laughs) how are you doing this? Can you talk to me a little bit about like, Mental, mentally, nineteen. Where were you at in this veterinary, like basically in this animal keeper position at nineteen? Where were you emotionally?
2: From what I recall, because that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I didn't stop to think about yeah. what I was doing. It was kind of just go, go, go. Right, and it from that building on top of that and into my zookeeping career. It was very much, I learned how to um, compartmentalize mm-hmm. things right. that, you know, when, when stuff happens because, you know, kind of jumping ahead to like the zookeeper world, especially at Disney, that, you know, something may have happened with an animal early in the day and in the area that I worked, you know, y- yes, you're, you're sad, you're upset about what happened, but then you have to go out and be on show and be smiley and happy and cheerful and talk to guests that I didn't even think about
0: that. We'll talk about, I'm yeah. literally going to write yeah. that down because I had never <laughs> even thought about not the showmanship element of zookeeping, but like it's Disney. So like, of course mm-hmm. they're going to, and so much of the Joe Rohde's imagine like his message and his, the importance of animal kingdom is of conservation and of education. So of course yeah. you would be the face of, oh my God. Speaking of animals, um, of course, you guys would be the face of Disney's animal kingdom, you know what I'm saying? I never even thought about that. Now, what is the so obviously you come from this like early job at 19, right? Mm -hmm. So, was it finishing college and then you have the idea to go to Disney? Like, what was that journey of the in between between Disney and you finishing college? Like, where are we at? So,
2: when After working at the Wildlife Rescue Center for, I was there total for about a year and a half. Um, One of my volunteers was the head of security at the St. Louis Zoo. And he knew that I was looking to explore the zookeeper position. And so he basically kind of gave me a heads up when some positions were opening. And so I ended up applying, interviewed, and got a job in a seasonal keeper position in the children's zoo. Oh, cool. mm-hmm. And um, so it was, uh, you know, it was like the goat petting yard, lorikeet aviary. Um, they would do shows during the summertime with ambassador species. There were a lot of animals within um, the building that were on exhibit. And so started a, a seasonal position there. And after a couple of months, um, and that's actually where I got the j nickname. Um, again, there were too many gens. I was the fifth or sixth Jennifer that had joined the team and they had mm-hmm. run through all of the options. So they had a Jennifer, a Jen, a Jenny, a Jen L, you know, just like all these different names. And so when I started on my first day, walked down the hallway, they're showing me all the different stuff. And then I said, so we have a nickname for you. I'm thinking, you don't even know me. How do you have a nickname for me? <laughs> like, okay. And they're explaining kind of the reasoning behind it. And they said, what do you think about J Like, yeah, sure, why not? It was right around when J Lo changed her, you know, Jennifer Lopez to, to J Lo it was around that time. So I think that's what inspired it.
0: Cultural. <laughs> She's all about a cultural <laughs> movement.
2: Um, so the my curator, when it came time to go back to school, because I had um basically started going to Webster University to finish off my bachelor's degree in biology. Um She found out I was going to school in St. Louis and had asked if I wanted to continue working through the school year on my breaks, um, knowing that I wouldn't have classes every single day. And I said, yeah, I'll I'll still get experience while I'm getting my degree, 100%. So I did that. Um, In the following year, I guess it was 2003, um, my mentor at the time that he had approached me about joining the show crew for the children's zoo. And I said, no, thank you. I don't want to talk in front of people. I don't, I don't know. That's not for me. So then my manager <laughs> was like, Hey, I think this would be really good for you. I think you would be good at it. We're going to teach you how to train animals. Um, you know, I just, I think it would be really great. I was like, I really don't want to get on stage and on mic and talk in front of people. No, that's not they're like, okay, well, how about we go through and teach you how to train things? and you just help out backstage because that is also a huge part of being on show they're crew
0: li- they're lying like they're like we're gonna just they mm, 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 just
2: mm. reeled me in. <laughs> um so was she was like, oh. she was on what she was walking the plank <laughs> she just didn't <laughs> know it That's where my animal training um part of my career began and I learned some really cool things the kind of the fundamentals about how to go about it um And then, you know, show, the show season began and there was probably like a week or two into it. And we're talking backstage about who's doing what for the show, what animals we're going to use, kind of just setting up the day. And they look at me and they're like, so you're going to host the bird show today. Like, I'm going to do what? no and they're like no you are and they like put the mic on me and like shoved me out the door I'm like and go <laughs> yeah plank moment <laughs> <laughs> and I got through it and then I started being like the secondary person that would be out on the stage um and kind of you know just easing my way into it and then it just became like second nature and I couldn't care less about you know being on mic and being out on she stage. She had a Britney moment. You had a Britney moment. Did. You had a Britney
0: mic <laughs> and you said this way.
2: I've looked back on that time, quite a few different occasions, but knowing that those two individuals that they saw something in me that I did not see in myself. And, mm. you know, they just kind of coached me and somewhat pushed me through it, but ultimately was I mean, a good thing. Is,
0: that's a cool moment of like, Yeah. Sometimes you got to get pushed a little bit. Like, (laughs) do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I love that though, because, you know, I always, whenever we, we hit on these moments, I love to give like an action point. Like here's something that we could do in our own lives. Right. And I think that that mentorship piece is something that can get lost really easily right now. So it's like, if you're Mm -hmm. listening to this and you're in a position where you have an ability to see something in someone that they don't see in themselves There's such a a societal obligation to pave the way for them because I mean, it's, it's so, so important. And I know that I had moments like that in my life that if they had not happened, I wouldn't be doing the things or able to do the things that I'm able to do now. So I think that's, that's such a strong message we have to keep saying. And Jen, I'm sure. That in your position now, which she's not at Disney anymore, we're not allowed to say where she is, but it's somewhere cool. Um, <laughs> in your position now, I'm sure because someone did that for you, right? You're always scanning the horizon for that that new hire, that, that employee that you see could be doing something different than what they're doing and going, okay, how can I step into that space and encourage right. them? So I think that's, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yep.
0: And it's like, also like, there is something to say too, of like the importance of uh, bringing the next gen- generation of women into the workforce especially, I bet, you know, you had mentioned some of your mentors and the fact that I'm going to guess is the field mainly male dominated or is it pretty mixed?
2: Is it it used to be, it's more female dominated now.
0: We love yeah. it. What was, what was some of your Disney weird uh, things that you liked? Like, is there a Disney film or something that, like, obviously you, you had mentioned you didn't go to the park very often.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but was there something weird that, like, Jen growing up was like, oh, I'm a freak, you know?
2: Well, I mean, I collected Disney Beanie Babies. I,
0: I love I have... that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would call, I knew the delivery day of when they would get a new shipment. And I would call the Disney store and ask which beanie babies had arrived
0: period and if (laughs) (laughs) period, i
2: I should have started working at the disney store back then because think about how many years i would have had with the company um Uh, jen's jen's freak flag has a beanie baby on it that's what
1: we've it's just a
0: beanie baby without the beans
2: (laughs) they are um in rubbermaid containers at my parents house they all suffocating (laughs) yeah they all have their tags on them they're Christine
0: condition. She cleans them every
2: Christmas. (laughs) That I was hoping that buying them would be an investment. And that, you know, many years down the road, it'll cycle back around and I can sell them and make a profit. Right? Like like Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yeah, sure.
0: Think about it. Beanie Babies are the original Bitcoin. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Not with Webkins. Um, So with your beanie babies in hand and your, your dreams <laughs> in, in tow, what was the moment uh, of, were you within the, that children's uh, department in the, mu- uh, in the zoo? And then you thought about Disney? Like when did Disney come into the equation of like, I could work at Disney?
2: Um, right before I ended up leaving to go to Disney, I went back to the children's zoo for a little while. Um, my curator had contacted me and had asked if I would be interested in coming back because she needed somebody to jumpstart the show season for that year. That she I I don't remember who had left the team at that point, but um she needed help getting the shows up and running and getting the animals trained. So I was very upfront with her. <laughs> I had told her that I was actively looking elsewhere that I wanted to leave St. Louis. Um it was I graduated in 2005 and probably fall of 2005, I had started applying pretty much anywhere I wanted to work or anywhere that I wanted to live. Mm. Um, Disney was top on the list of where I wanted to be a keeper. Florida was probably lowest on my list of where I wanted to live. I
0: don't know so... what you're talking about. You and, <laughs> you and me had a great time.
2: <laughs> we did. we um, did. But yeah, Florida is kind of the worst. <laughs> Um, but, uh, Disney was the first place I heard back from and it took about five to six months for them to give me a call. Uh, and I just applied for every single position that came open. Uh, oh, really? you know, the first one that I applied for was for the conservation station team. And then I remember an elephant keeper position open. So I sent another resume and just every single keeper job he, Oh, did you forget about me? Here's another one. So wow. when, I interviewed well I told my curator that it was like hey I have an interview and she's like oh that's exciting where and I was like Disney and she's like Disney what you want to go to Disney I'm like yeah <laughs> she's like okay with so, your beanie babies <laughs> like come on what's wrong with Disney wait quickly. wait
1: just for timing yeah. wise what yeah. year was this
2: Jen this was April 2006 okay Okay.
1: I just, I, cause I feel like animal kingdom in particular has come a long way um, from when um, Liam is too young to, to remember this, <laughs> but there was a lot of controversy when animal kingdom opened a lot of controversy. And I did feel like in zoological Circles, it was not viewed as what it now is when they Mm -hmm. first started. And so there was a bit of a snobbery that even the general public knew about, right? Between like the big zoos and, oh, Disney's now going to muscle in and have this zoo thing. And when you look at where they are now, particularly in terms of, you know, having babies, what would we, not breeding, is that what I want to say? I guess, like with species and things like that. I mean, they're kind of known all over the world, but that did not happen in the first five years
2: of the park opening. Yeah. When I interviewed, it was, uh, yeah, early April, 2006, I interviewed with a panel of managers and it was probably about eight Managers, and I think that was because I had sent so many resumes. <laughs> They're like, "Okay, we need to see what this girl's all about. <laughs> she clearly wants to work here." And then I had a very specific interview with the conservation station team. And um, after that, they gave me a tour of the area. After that tour, I had a tour of um, Animal Kingdom Lodge, uh, and uh, which was kind of funny because I, the keeper who gave me the tour, um, ultimately became one of my managers many, many years later. Cool. So that was kind of cool. Um, but when I was leaving that day, when I was driving back to the airport, I, you know, I was on the phone with my dad and he was just kind of checking in, like, how did everything go? And I was like, yeah, I, I think it went fine. I think it went well. He's like, you don't sound as excited about it anymore. He's like, what happened? And I was like, I'm kind of scared that this could actually happen. But, you mm. know, it was kind of like, I, this may happen. And I, you know, I remember, when I first started working at the St. Louis zoo that when I would be driving home, I would drive past, like go out on the highway and drive past the zoo and I would look over at it and like have to pinch myself that I was working at the zoo that I grew up going to all the time, that it was just kind of surreal. Um, But yeah, that, that trip for the interview was the first time I had gone to animal kingdom. And so I, you know, went around to see what was what I was blown away. They uh, put me up at Animal Kingdom Lodge for my couple of days stay, <laughs> which was kind of crazy. A Savannah View room. Nice. Um, I did <laughs> room service. Jen goes, <laughs> I nice.
1: Could, nice.
2: <laughs> because I could. Um, and what was kind of funny is I saved the receipt and it has since faded and I can't see it anymore. But the receipt from the room service, the server name listed on it was j yeah. what yeah so it was
1: it was a sign I know
2: <laughs> oh,
1: and, and I I don't know I don't like to stereotype but I do feel that people who love animals and work with animals tend to also believe in signs it's just mm-hmm. sort of kind of comes with the territory right yeah. that's what we call that um but yeah I think um you kind of have to because you can't talk, I mean, the animals aren't going to be literal with you, right? Right. So there's, there's a lot left to interpretation. So therefore, like I get chills when I think about it, because this is why I love animal people, because that means that that there's a lot left for interpretation in our entire natural world, right? Not just with animals. So you see it everywhere and the signs are always there, but you see them because you're looking for them. So that makes me really happy. I love that.
0: Jen, yeah. that is like that was... actually crazy. Like that was a yeah. flabbergasted.
2: Yeah. And here's another, here's a tie to Liam. When I was in the park that day, it was preview week for Expedition Everest.
1: See, all roads lead yeah. to Liam.
2: And, and I
0: was the first kid to <laughs> It's a constant joke, but I was the first kid did to Did I
1: ever ride. tell you? Did that I ever
0: tell you that no, I was the first kid? No, you did Uncle trustee. But like you and I were probably in the park the same day.
2: Possibly. I. So when I, I went on the ride, um, I had no idea about single rider line. I didn't know that existed. I didn't know anything about fast passes. Um, so I waited in line for an hour and a half and rode on the ride with three complete strangers. We were in the back car. And I still to this day regret not buying the photo from the ride because I was having the time of my life. I knew nothing about it. I had no idea that it went backwards. I knew nothing. And when it took the picture, I didn't know where the camera was, but I was the only person in the car with my arms up like, ah! and the other people were like, hold on for dear life. And this is,
0: and this is when we looked up the photo of you on Everest. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that but
1: <laughs> I guess you know, I was in the car with you J-Load <laughs> <laughs>
0: and here she is
1: <laughs> by
0: at this point I know you 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 talk about how emotionally it was very intimidating because you were like okay now I kind of want it and now this is a giant move almost but yeah. did you think at the time was it a sign or were you just so busy that it was like I think I should just I'd be dumb not to take it is that kind of what happened?
2: It, um, I didn't get a call until middle of May.
0: I mean, for... but they put you up in, I don't know, what kind of lies. Like they want you like at that <laughs> and, point. And, and,
1: and you know, I can say this cause I don't work for them, but you know, they're really cheap. So.
0: <laughs> but, and so when you got the offer in May, were you like, okay, I guess I'm doing it. Like
2: <laughs> I, um, I, I remember calling back because they had called me and I was at a point that I couldn't answer my phone. So I called them back and I remember them offering the position for conservation station, which is kind of, you know, that was the main job I was interviewing for. And after touring both areas of um, CS and then going to the lodge, when I was leaving, I was like, I kind of want the lodge. Like, it just seemed like a really cool place. And so when I got the offer for conservation station, you know, I was like, they had gone down all the information, what pay would be, which the pay was less than I thought it was going to be, mm. especially for Disney. And so I ended up calling my first zoological manager that I worked for that he was at a different area at the zoo. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I, what, you know, he's like, you can counter offer. He's like, there's a hundred percent something you can do. Um, He's like, and even if, you know, if you get down there and conservation station, isn't the team for you, it's like, there are so many other teams. There are other positions that will open. He's like, this will be your foot in the door. You, you want to work for Disney. So here you go. Right. right. So I yeah. Back. Can I, can I just yeah. give a little bit of a time out here? Because I think this is
1: so important for women in business to hear Everything is negotiable. And I think Mm -hmm. when it's a job that we really want, we tend to think that whatever they offered us is what we have to take. I had listened to a somebody smart on something years and years ago had said the art, it was called like the art of the 15 second negotiation. And it said just to be quiet for 15 seconds after they make the first job offer. So not long after that, I was up for a huge promotion. There was a number given and I just waited 15 seconds and didn't immediately accept. And they upped the offer by $15,000 in that 15 seconds. Wow. Because what they did was they walked into the room. This is what a lot of women don't know. I don't know why men seem to know this, but women don't. And Jen, you know, this is true. They walked into the room with a range, or they emailed you with a range, and they're going to try for the lowest range first, and you are never more able to negotiate than in the hiring position. Once you're hired, all of that goes out the window. So this is your one shot. And honestly, if they give you a hard time because you asked for what you were worth, you don't want to work there anyway. Okay.
2: Done. (laughs) Yep. That's very true. And you know, again, I was young and, and experienced in the job world and I am forever grateful to my manager for, you know, saying like, Hey, it's, it's okay. You can do this. Yep. But of course, calling back, like, you know, I was terrified. I was like, um, so I, um. <laughs> I
0: would, I would like to say no deal, Howie. And <laughs> I would say Mr. A- Banker, sir.
2: <laughs> so they took what I had countered and they were like, okay, well, you know, well, um, I need to talk to whoever it was. And they're like, we'll give you a call back. And they called back and said, yep, we can do that. But,
0: okay. Incredible. This Decision
2: started 13 years, 16 years, how many years in Disney? When I when I started at Disney, it would yeah. have been 16 years on June 19th. Wow.
0: That yeah. is some wild stuff. <laughs> so yeah. in your first few years, did it kind of feel like I don't know, did it feel like your master's program almost? Like, did it feel like a rough and tumble course did they throw you in like how did it feel the first just few weeks like
2: there was um i mean disney does so many courses oh, wow. for all cast members but for animal keepers you know there's a course about nutrition about enrichment about training and they just cover all of the you know basics that they want their keepers to know um so there was a lot of learning whether it was in-person classes or online classes that needed to happen. And then, um, just being trained by my team and fellow keepers. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jen,
1: I have a question because um, Scott and I saw a baby giraffe being born during one of our safaris um, oh, when we were out there. You she were on was, that truck.
2: <laughs> I was on that
1: truck. In fact, my <laughs> video, the Orlando Sentinel like had our my video on their paper, website, whatever. Um, all of a sudden, that sounded like a Harry Potter paper. I sounded like the video was <laughs> in the paper, but no, it was on their website. Um, and it was so funny because I love listening to them try to explain what's going on, but in terms that are like kid-friendly. Yep. And finally, the person that was driving our truck was like, okay, she's having a baby. Like, we're we're not gonna try to like sugarcoat this. And I'm thinking, listen, folks, you brought your kids on a safari with real animals yeah. and there's a real thing happening. And I was so glad that the person driving the truck even, who was probably like a college program kid, in that moment was like, okay, they're never going to see this again. And I'm like, these kids on this truck, how are you ever going to see anything like that ever again in your entire life? It was absolutely, even my husband was like, wait a minute, what am I looking at right now? <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> but but I, I was always curious about that mix of things, about how you explain things in a Disney way. Do you know what I'm saying? That yeah. are very in the wild and and maybe... I don't want to say mature because it's nature, but did, can you talk about that a little bit? Liam, I, I interrupted you and totally hijacked with that question, but I'm
2: really curious. So, especially with the area of conservation station, um, it's where a lot of animal presentations would happen, whether they would be kind of more of a formal show or just a more informal keeper chat. And you would get a wide range of questions and, you know, it's, it is always trying in. Fun to figure out the best way to word something and also looking at the audience around you. If it's a whole bunch of adults, I'm going to be more, you know, real with them and kind of just lay it out there. If it's kids, um, you know, you try to be a little more delicate about what you're saying. And if they're still really prying, then it's like, okay, where's, where's mom and dad? Like, how far can we go with this conversation? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there was one time when a, a, a little boy asked me if goats laid eggs I was like, what? What do you mean, lay eggs? Yeah. So like, and, you- and, Jen, and Jen said, you're in Florida public schools, aren't you? <laughs> and he pointed up to this goat that was laying down, and it was a white goat. And what he was looking at was part of the boy parts of the white goat. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. And I was like, that's not an egg. And he goes, well, well, what is it? And I knew that his dad was standing nearby because he was chuckling. And I was like, go ask your dad
1: period And then I turned
2: and walked away <laughs> although I will say that when the giraffe was born on
1: the savannah there was no sugarcoating anything you couldn't you just couldn't get away from it it was just one of those things and I got off and was bawling and still yeah. to this day it's like my app I mean how amazing to watch that happening and then when they told us Jen that she was the first mama that had felt she had been um born there and she was the mm-hmm. first mama that you because you were still there when this happened weren't you
2: um, so I was hey, over at the lodge at that point.
1: Okay. But you heard about it because yeah. everybody heard about it. The <laughs> fact that she had, um, they kept saying it's such a big deal that she felt safe having her baby. Oh my gosh, I'm crying about it now. What is wrong <laughs> with me? That she felt safe having her baby out here and that that was such a testament to what a good job they did to mm-hmm. make all the animals feel safe. So anyway, I, oh, there I go again. <laughs> Hey, guys. It's me, Jen. Are you loving this episode of Unlimited Time Magic? I totally agree with you. It's great, but it could use just a little something. And you can provide that little bit of help that we need to make these podcasts the best that they can be. Just go ahead and head over to our tip jar. Remember, a little goes a long way in helping us produce better episodes for you. Links can be found down in the description or in our link tree on Instagram. See you on main street
0: did you feel like i I wrote that down of like i didn't even really think about the showmanship aspect of like like i said previously like joe rody's mission to have it be also a moment of education for a general populace and when people walk into animal kingdom with the expectation of yes you're gonna ride rides and experience something special but like We've mentioned this before for Dak, like going on these personal experiences of watching a giraffe get born, like that's nuts that yeah. only really animals can provide.
1: And there's what, no lightning line for that.
0: There's no lightning <laughs> line for that. Um, what, what was the, what was your probably like, what's your favorite detail about Animal Kingdom that you have from when you worked there?
2: Oh goodness. Um, there are so many. There's a lot. There was early on in my time at Conservation Station, um, you know, a lot of the times I feel like the best memories are the ones where, you know, you made an impact on a guest that I had picked up overtime on Easter um, and that I was out in the putting yard and there weren't many guests around. It was towards the end of the day and there was a family there with a young boy. And he was walking around and looking at each of the goats. And at one point when he passed by me, you know, I, he was petting somebody and I told him that goat's name and he just looked up at me and just kind of kept walking. And then he walked to another one and he looked over and asked, you know, what's this one's name and I would tell him. And then slowly he, you know, started standing around me more asking questions, talking, and um, he had a little, uh, bunny towel. Animal in his pocket from the hotel that they were staying at. I think they're—I don't remember which resort they were at—and he had it in his pocket. And he took it out at one point, and I was like, "Oh, is that you know, is that your Easter bunny to hang out with you all day?" And he's like, "Yeah, you yeah. know, it, it was from the hotel." And I was like, "That's so cute." And he handed it to me, so you know, I'm looking at it, and then I go to give it back to him. He's like, "No, it's for you." I was like, "Oh, that's that's so sweet of you, but it, you should keep it. It's so you know, it's so cute. You should keep it." He's like, "No, it, it it's for you." I was like, okay, uh, you know, thank you. That's so nice. And then he walked off and then his parents came over to me and said, thank you. You have no idea. He doesn't talk to anybody, oh but he gosh. felt comfortable talking to you. And I was just like, oh, like, oh, okay. Um, that's so amazing. So then I left the yard and uh, another keeper had switched out with me. And I went in and I grabbed a couple of buttons of our goats that we would put like their picture on a button to give to kids and like some of the little giveaways that we had and went back out there and found them. And I was like, here, I have something for you. (laughs) Like, you know, thank you for visiting us today.
0: (laughs) You're like, do you want a goat?
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I I still have that little bunny towel animal. I love that. (laughs) Well,
1: you know what, though? I think... Jen's really hitting on why, I mean, because I don't think anybody that goes into what you do, Jen, is, is you have to be able to make connections with mm-hmm. animals and with people, because I don't know why anyone would choose to do that day in and day out with their lives, right? If you couldn't connect with animals right. and then also that connection goes on to people. So, um, I think that's what makes animal kingdom and the lodge. I was just at the lodge. In fact, yeah. good, good <laughs> job over there, by the way. <laughs> Thank um, you. I think that's what makes it so remarkable. And it almost feels this talk about flying your Disney nerd, but it almost feels sacred because when you're out there and, and sure, you know, you just had this amazing meal at Gico or whatever, <laughs> and you're living the resort life. And then you go out there and you watch the giraffes eating and you see all of these grown people just in awe of what they're watching and that they're mm-hmm. given this opportunity. And I do think that was Joe Rody's dream because then guess what? you care about that giraffe. You care about where it lives. You care about your own impact on an environment that allows it to thrive and you can never see it the same again, you know, it changes you. And I, not that, you know, you can't be changed at all-star sports. They've got good hot dogs, but um, (laughs) there there is something about that proximity to the animals. It just it, it's amazing to me. And zoos do that too. Um, yeah. It's not that zoos don't do that. I mean, you and I just chatted before we came on. I mean, there's a zoo I went to as a child that changed
2: how I viewed animals forever. That's what, that's the job, right? Right. Yeah. And, and you know, that's one of the biggest things about a keeper's job. You know, yes, we we take care of the animals and provide their daily care for them, but it is making that connection with people. And it is the, you know, trying to bridge that connection from the animals that we care for to them so that they care. And then the things that you care about, you want to save. So mm. it's kind of that whole thing of, you know, it, we have so many animals that are in the potential in our lifetime to go extinct. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are hitting that time frame of, can we still save them? Can Mm -hmm. we save these species? You know, when you talk about giraffe, that they, there's, and my numbers may be a little off, but there's roughly over 500,000 elephants in Africa still. And they are an endangered species. You know, we hear about elephants all the time. They are magnificent animals. They are incredibly important to the ecosystems. But when you look at giraffe, there's about 110,000 of them left. And they're going through what they're calling a silent extinction. Because nobody's talking about giraffe, that you know they're so commonly thought about and seen in zoos that what's happening in the wild, people are not aware of. Wow, so that's crazy. um on the <clears throat> summer solstice, on the longest day of the year, there is a fundraiser for a giraffe for the wow. the you know tallest land mammal on the longest day of the year that the uh, giraffe conservation foundation the GCF. That they, and I, and I yeah. just
0: decided something. We're going to do something special for the Giraffe Foundation on this All show right. right now. We're going to do cool. a giveaway right now, Jen. We're making yep. this up. Write it down, Jen.
1: We're going to do a giveaway. on our. <laughs> Liam, <laughs> this is Liam. <laughs> Liam's like, Jen is going to give away a thousand dollars of her own money.
0: <laughs> Thank you to Jen. Clap for Jen. Um, Check us yeah. out on Instagram at, at yeah. unlimitedtimemagic. We are going to post a photo of this Kate Spade wallet that Jen is grabbing yeah. live here yep. on YouTube.
1: Yep, 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 Never let it said I'm not prepared, okay? It's okay. true, it's true, um, it's true. So here is our wallet. That's crazy that I just had it. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it right now. Um, brand new, never used, Kate Spade New York. It's got our girl Minnie on it. It's, you know, your just gorgeous little wallet, perfect for the parks, blah, blah, blah.
2: It's and perfect. I think
1: it probably retailed for, what do we say? Probably, Jen, what do you think? Probably $85 at least. I mean, yeah, these probably. are, these are, this is cute. It's yeah. gold, but
0: it's, it's, <laughs> but
1: it's gold. So yeah, we'll do that because we were great. saving that anyway. Great, great. So we this will do perfect. that. Cool. This is perfect. That's awesome.
0: So my friends, what you're going to do is you're going to go on our Instagram. You're going to comment on that post, leave us a review on the podcast app. And the biggest tipper in the tip jar this week We'll get that Kate Spade wallet and a personal note from Jen and I. And I'm going to say that over half of the tip money from this week is going to go straight to the giraffe Fund. my Yes, friends. yes, awesome. let's do it.
1: Let's do let's it. Let's do it. I love we're going to have
0: a lot of fun and we're going to raise some money. Um, cool. Back to, back to J-Bell. <laughs> um, we had a lot of amazing questions uh, that we asked our viewers to essentially say like, what did you, what do you want to ask from a from a from a veteran zookeeper from animal mm-hmm. kingdom well, um because you did you spent some time in the park but then ultimately you ended your career uh with disney at least at animal kingdom lodge right
2: yes yeah right
0: so at Animal Kingdom Lodge, a lot of people just wanted to know the ins and outs of like your day. And I could say I saw Jen in multiple different parts of her day. But um, <laughs> what like what's an average, like what was your favorite track almost? Because I'm gonna guess there was different roles you could do within mm-hmm. one given day or like a given week. Um, but what is your favorite thing? How did you start your day and where did you end it? Just give some like light preface of like your day's ins and outs of a traditional day.
2: Yeah. So at the lodge, um, well, actually, at all of Animal Kingdom, um, There, we have 24-hour care as far as the keeper staff. So at the lodge, the day team would work two different shifts. Uh, we would either work 7.30 to 6.30 or 5 a.m. to 4 p.m. And then our night team would work 6.15 p.m. to 5.15 a.m. So we would always have a group of keepers that would cross over with each other in the morning and at night. So that we would have really good communication as far as what was going on. The first two days of the week, we would do a late shift. The second two days of the week, we would work an early shift. And essentially, you would have kind of a morning meeting where you would cross over whatever needed to be known from the night team. You'd go into the barn, and you would set up to bring in the animals from Uzema Savannah. Um, So that is the Savannah from that you from the jumbo house overlook and like where um, the flamingos are and all that so they would get queued in at uh, about 6 a.m 6 20 depending on the time of the year we would bring those animals off savannah they would get their um, pelleted diet that's when we would give out any medications that we needed to do if we needed to um, get any weights on any animals a lot of the pathways in and out of the barn depending on hoofstock side, or the giraffe side of the barn, they would walk over a scale, so we could stop them, get away, send them on their way. That's also when training sessions would happen um, for the animals on that savannah. By about seven 45, eight a.m, we would start sending the animals back onto savannah, and then they would all be out by about nine o'clock in the morning. And at that point, we would have <coughs> our morning meeting with the day crew. And, um, when we were done with, uh, there would typically be about 45 minutes to an hour, depending on how much we had to discuss 10 o'clock, we would go out and have the barn reset. And then we would go out and bring in Arusha Savannah, which is the Savannah that you see from the main overlook from Jumbo house. When you walk through the lobby and go down the stairs and go out onto the, um, overlook there where the pelicans are. And for those animals, they have about a quarter of a mile walk to go up to the barn. Um, so we were always saying that um, we need an Arusha barn so that there could be a barn for Yuzema animals and a barn for Arusha animals. So maybe someday they will get an Arusha barn. Because <laughs> it's hot <laughs> and they shouldn't have to walk that
1: far. Right?
2: That's a
1: lot.
0: Y'all so complaining way- about your trams.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the way to get those animals to the barn, they would go through a couple of different um, yards that we would call mixing yards. And there would be a area to go through for the hoofstock. And then off to the other side would be the giraffe corridor. And that would lead up to the giraffe side of the barn. So typically, queue in would take, in the summertime, quite a long time. Because it's hot. And they don't want to move as quickly. In the winter, they move pretty fast. And queue mm-hmm. can be done within 15 to 20 minutes. Nice. Um, so then kind of the same thing for those animals when they are in the barn pelleted diet training sessions medications any of that sort of stuff and then they get sent back out to savannah and are typically back out between eleven forty-five and noon um so the rest of the day the animals are on savannah so that's something that a lot of questions that we would get from guests is um do the animals stay out overnight and they do they spend about 22 hours a day on savannah mm-hmm. um yeah so well
1: it's it's why though I always tell people if you're going to stay Animal Kingdom Lodge or Kidani don't um... If you're going to get, if you're going to pay for a Savannah View room, try to be on your balcony different times during the day because you're going to see different animals. They're going to be in different moods. You're going to see different things. And I felt like they did, they do such a good job of like feeding them in a rotation so that they do move around. But it always kills me because people will pay for a Savannah View room and then they, well, we never saw any animals. I'm like, well, did you leave for the parks at 745 and come back at nine o'clock at night? Because I don't see how that would possibly happen. Like you kind of right. have to re- devote some time to it. But right. anyway, yeah, I was right. on um sunset savannah at Kidani and I was I was there in the at about 9 10 in the morning. I was shocked mm-hmm. at how many animals were out. And I'm like, most guests aren't even out on their balconies right now. Right. And it it was a party on the savannah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And the <laughs> kind of the way that we would run the lodge as a whole because it kind of as far as the keeper staff goes it's kind of split in half you have like the jumbo house savannas and then the kadani savannas mm-hmm. um because it's you know in total it's technically six savannas of animals um, and there's about 26 keepers on the team as far as the That's day team goes so um so many people we would basically um bring animals in at different times so that there's always animals out on a Savannah, no matter where you're at in the lodge, because you can always walk around to different viewpoints to see an animal. Right. Um, and I can't tell you how many times we would hear from people oh, where are all the animals at, we haven't seen any animals. They're talking about giraffe and zebra. Right, right. No, and, no. And, and and birds are not animals. I don't know if you know right. this, but birds are not and, animals. And
1: whatever those Watusi cattle things are, I don't want to see those. <laughs> those <laughs> are boring.
0: <laughs> so, like I said, you've had this incredible career at Disney. Mm-hmm. And with Disney and a big company, there's a certain level of security and a certain level of you know where your paychecks are gonna come from. And there's a lot of moving up. You can move up, you can move down, you know what, whatever. Um, with your when did this event because so much of your job is to care for animals and at what point if you don't mind me asking did maybe the animals care for you so much of our security on our reliance on animals you know, for our own mental health i mean jen you can la uh, down there mm-hmm. you can definitely speak of the highs and the definite lows of having you know this pretty serious companion and i wouldn't even like couldn't even emotionally imagine that being your job like mm. so can you maybe talk to like when you went we through go. something hard or difficult and it was like either the animals had you or maybe you went through a hardship at work and you somehow had to like how did you take care of yourself in all of this wildness literally <laughs>
2: so you know the um the relationships that keepers develop with animals is really special It it there are you know you go through the day and you have all these animals you take care of but there's always going to be special ones that mean a little bit more to you than others and um you know there are just times when um uh, like I would sit down with um the Cooney Cooney pig that I trained. I remember this. From when she was really little. And um, I had a different relationship with her than the rest of the keepers. And a lot of the other keepers did not like her. And uh, they were very vocal in that.
0: <laughs> <And> you were <laughs> and like-, like-
2: you just- You don't know her like I know her. And kind of the same, like she, I would sit down in a stall with her and she would come over and she would just lay her head on my lap and we would just sit there and snuggle. And she would be my therapist for the day. You know, I would just sit there and talk to her just like, you know, she was a person. Um, Animals are great listeners. (laughs) (laughs) I I love how you had, you hesitated.
1: You hesitated when he asked you this question. And I now realize you were hesitating because you have so many examples, not because you were struggling to get an example. You were like,
2: Hmm, which one of the hundreds
1: of times do I want to share? There are so many.
2: And there, you know, um, when the original goat herd, when we had retired them from, um, affection section, and got in a new group of goats um, it was probably back in oh, 2009 maybe um, they basically kind of lived out their retirement in the back side of the barn and they had a whole other yard back there and in goats they live in a hierarchy and so the top goat was Luke um, he was a very tall gray goat and he was known for stealing things from guests in the yard. He would always steal maps. That was his favorite thing to do. Um, occasionally, he would grab a hold of the back of somebody's backpack and try to undo the zipper. Um, I saw him drag a child by their backpack through the yard one time. I mean, it just he kept things interesting, to say the least. Um, Me and but, Janet Epcot. <laughs> when, um, when Luke came to the end of his life. Um, and we took him over to the hospital for his exam. And then it was decided that, uh, there was nothing more that we could do for him. Um, I was working that area that day and, you know, he was the leader of that group. And when I came back without him and I sat down with all the old goats, they all just came over and just snuggled up and just stood by. And I, it's like, you know, you don't want to anthropomorphize because that's something that we don't do in the animal world. Liam, um, that's when but- you give animals <laughs> human characteristics.
0: I don't it's- know where
1: it's good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but it's like they knew. They knew that he wasn't coming back. Yeah. They knew that I was sad. And they stepped in to provide comfort. And you know, it's just kind of in that sense, and in you know, so many other times, animals are amazing.
1: I yeah. love the goats from the <laughs> section.
2: I know, that I know. That makes me
0: emotional.
1: Well, and I, I think it, uh, it's, it's such a different kind of response. I've always, honestly, Jen, if there was a job that I could do, um, if, I, if, if I could go back in time, I would love to have been either a marine biologist or do what you do, because I just, you do have to be careful, but at the same time, there's this awe of how much they do understand, right? Mm-hmm. Like so much more, particularly just in terms of human emotion and, and how we feel. And it's, it, again, if you're not looking for it, you're not going to see it, right? Right? If you and just, they,
2: they can read people so incredibly well, Um, you know, there have been times when going into something and like internally, I'm feeling nervous about it. And they read that energy, um, you know, that whatever it may be, or, you know, if you're super chill about something, they're going to be super chill. If you're upset about something and just putting off this vibe that you're like mad and pissed off, like they're just kind of be like, Oh, Whoa, what's what's happening over there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, one of the coolest parts of the job honestly is just those building those relationships and being able to learn how to read what they are giving out and putting out there
0: is we had a few other questions from our friends on the on on the internet and they somebody just genuinely want to know what's your favorite detail in the park that's not to do with animals
2: oh um
0: like, is there a ride, is there a moment, is there a show, and is it Tarzan Rocks?
2: I never saw it. I never saw Tarzan Rocks. Recording stopped. <laughs> whatever, um, whatever. Oh, a detail that isn't about the animals. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, I will say like, it, of course, but it's part of the animals. It's Kilimanjaro Safari. So It's so cool though. The OG. I, it is. I visited Kenya in 2004. I went for two weeks. Um, super cool trip. Cool. And when I won, when I showed up to the lodge for my interview stay, and I started walking up the steps to get to the valet area and to go into the lobby, the general smell of the area smelled like Kenya. And I immediately stopped dead in my tracks and was like, how did they do this? How? When I was on Kilimanjaro Safaris for the very first time and you get to Savannah Overlook after you've come out of Little Latoury Forest and you get that first view of the Savannah, again, blown away with how much it looked like being out on a game drive in Kenya, that it was just like, you've gotta be kidding me. Um, so that in itself was kind of an all moment for me as far as Disney went. Yeah. Um, I when they redid the front of um Discovery Island and the Tree of Life, they <laughs> I feel like I first saw it when I was doing a declamation tour, but they had changed out the light posts and they started putting the little animal details up on the like corners of the light post, and they had put um, on some of them bats and the bats were facing the wrong direction. And I was like, oh, Imagineers, no, that's wrong. They had them to where um, their heads were facing up. And so I ended up, I took a picture of it and had reached out to one of the leaders in animal science and environment. and I was like, hey, I don't know if you know who to contact about this, um, but the bats are facing the wrong way. And he was like, what do you mean? What, what way do you think they should be facing? And I was like, upside down, like how they hang. <laughs> like, why, why wouldn't they be hanging upside down? And he was just kind of like, okay. He, he um, went. Yeah, pretty much. Good job. So then I took the same picture and I um, sent a DM to Joe Rody on Instagram. <laughs> and I was like, hey, um, love it's j Love the park, J-Lo. love the details. Um, it's incredible. However, um, I feel like there's just a little mistake on this one. Um, like, I don't I don't know if you can like turn them the other way or what, I never got like, I don't know if you ever saw it but a little while later I was walking to the park and they were turned to the right direction. So that's right,
1: that's yeah. right.
0: You secreted it.
1: <laughs> that's right, that's how we roll. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm <laughs> I'm blown away. I'm uh, <laughs> blown away and flabbergasted. Truly, truly. Um, another great question. I mean, it was, I think you've already answered it. Your favorite animal, which is the piggy.
2: Do you love pigs? Um, so what's kind of funny is, um, you know, I have a number of individuals that I absolutely love. Um, but as far as species, um, it is typically... Most people have never heard of this animal before, and I absolutely adore them because they are so unique and bizarre and adorable, um, but they are called echidnas.
0: Yes, what are they?
2: They are a monotreme. They are found in Australia. Hello. Um, so the more commonly known monotreme is the duck-billed platypus, Pretty. but the other one is um, the echidna. So there's the short-beaked echidna and the long-beaked echidna. And some people refer to them as a spiny anteater, but that's technically not right. But um, they have- Not in your sticky... presence, yeah. they no. don't. <laughs> <laughs> they have a long sticky tongue to be able to eat um, ants and termites and all those fun things. And they have a lot of spines on their back that help protect them, but they are an egg-laying mammal. So they- Also,
0: meet uh-huh. on a Friday night. <laughs> an egg-laying mammal. No. Just like so. that goat,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> so wait, um, do you, in, do you have some of these in the place where you work now that we can't name, but the zoo I, where you are now, do you have I these? I
2: do, yeah, so I worked with echidnas when I um, was at the St. Louis Zoo. Oh, right. that's where I first fell in love with them. And then okay. um, it was one of, well, a lot of Australian animals are super cool, but one of the um, reasons that I went to, I spent a month in Australia, was because I do love Australian animals a whole lot. And I wanted to go around and you know, see as much as I could. Did I see any wild echidnas? No, no. saw some in zoos, but I didn't see any wild ones. Um, but yes, I am working with echidnas again. I am in echidna heaven. And it just, that was kind of one of the main things that pulled me away from Disney was the opportunity mm-hmm. to work with my, my dream species again.
1: Well, but you just, you just (laughs) named something so important. I think, I think as, as in your heart as a zoologist, which is, is, is that what you are?
2: Like, is that what your technical technically, I mean, I, I have a biology degree, Okay, Um, but yeah, and that was simply because a zoology degree wasn't anywhere in the area that I was living. (laughs) Well, but I mean,
1: but as a biologist and as Mm -hmm. an animal keeper, right. Um, the fact that it's, it's always going to be the animals first. It's, and, and where you work is going to be, yes, that's quality of life. Like what you said about where you want to live. I know where yeah. you are now, wink, wink, not a terrible choice, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, you, you, you choose based on the animals and then it's like, if the other stuff can work out too. Yay. That's fantastic. Yeah, but that's sure. not why you want to wake up in the morning and be like, I am so on board with this program and what we're doing in this place. So, um, I mean, good for you for, in, in all of the ways, right? Like in setting out a path and an intention in the beginning, not even really knowing you were doing it right. But then being like dogged in your pursuit of this is what I want to do with my life. I, I absolutely love it. So how long total now have you been doing this as your career? How many years? Twenty-one years, amazing. That's an amazing yeah. legacy, Jen. Congratulations! <laughs> lots, thank of, you. Lots of lucky animals, I'm sure, that have been <laughs> able to, to be around you. That's great.
2: Thank you.
0: I want to end our time today. Of like your compassion, your energy, I've been obsessed with since day one, folks. <laughs> and let me tell you, like Dak is like not the same. You left such a lasting impact at Disney, Aww, and I met, looking Thank you. Forward. But I mean, the fact that it is still in your life in different variants and on top of like, yeah. now you're a guest, so right. I, that is its own separate blessing in itself. So congratulations, Jen. Thank, thank well, you. And, and
1: now everyone that listens to this podcast, <laughs> when they go find that lamppost, they can be like, that bat <laughs> is in the correct position because yep. of Jen.
0: Our, our Imagineer, Jen, our Joe <laughs> roding Jen, or J-Bo. People call him in the streets. Jen, thank you for your time today. We oh, appreciate you're welcome. it so greatly. Thank you. Go, Jen. It's so much fun. Yeah. That was a great. Episode numbers and Day. How did you Wait, feel about that episode, Jen?
1: I was so emotional. I mean, how? Yeah, we both cried. You- oh my gosh. And Jen cried too. So we I mean, all I cried. To have, you know, I think I will say this this week, right? We needed a break from all the things. We needed to talk about something that is lovely and beautiful and innocent. And that is exactly what that delivered on. So huge thanks to Jen. Go follow her on everything imaginable. She's She's amazing.
0: She's just such a blessing and such a great person and a person who's always so real and so, you know, so like such a hard worker, man. So- like what Jen said, thank you. And thank you to everyone who donated on our tip jar. Remember, we are doing a giveaway this week. Check us out on Instagram at, at Unlimited Time Magic, where you can donate to our tip jar. That The link is available uh, on Instagram. And we're going to have a little photo of that little wallet, Kate Spade wallet. It's very, very cute. Uh, and you're going to comment on the post. You're also going to uh, rate and comment on the podcast app. And... Uh, you're gonna give a tip in the tip jar and half of the tips uh, tips from this week. So the May 28th to the next week, uh, all half of that money will go to the giraffe fund um, because we've got to save the giraffes. Um, and Jen and I will personally go to Kenya and save giraffes. Okay, um, cool. We're Kenya in Animal Kingdom. Um, I, I and- don't know
1: if I can go, Kenya?
0: okay next um but i want to thank my friends this week who donated in the tip jar like i said this week of course you'll get all those half of those tip monies will go straight to the giraffe fund uh from us here at at unlimited time magic um but it also helps with better equipment more editing time all of the above better episodes for you and more consistent uh remember we only have three episodes left until the end of season one finale so i'm really really excited for the next episodes because they're going to be really really cool with some special guests I'm pumped, but uh, my friends over in the tip jar, Steven, Heather, Sarah, and Donna. That takes it all, Donna. Um, Big fan, big fan of you, Meryl Streep. Uh, So my friends, thank you for an incredible week. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, I'm gonna go and start editing. Jen, any last words?
1: No, Liam had a very long work day though. So Liam, thank you. You're a wonderful producer and I appreciate you very much.
0: Bye. See you on Main Street. Bye. <laughs> Bye. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Unlimited Time Magic with Jen and Liam. Don't be afraid to follow us on Instagram at at Unlimited Time Magic. You can find links to our YouTube channel where we upload every episode. We can see our faces and also to our tip jar. Any bit of money helps to produce better episodes for you guys. So we'll see you
2: next week and we'll see you on Main Street. Bye.